What is the Mustache Miler? The Mustache Miler, or the Mo Miler as we call it affectionately, is a volunteer-run non-profit organization that supports the Movember Foundation, hence the fabulous mustachios. Focused on community and empowerment, we create events where families, seasoned runners, and first-time racers can all come together and have a good time for a great cause. Together, we have raised over $40,000 since 2018, which helps the Movember Foundation fund groundbreaking men's health projects in prostate and testicular cancers, mental health, and suicide prevention. This year, since things are still a bit limited due to the pandemic, we are putting on the Stash Dash, which is a 5km night run on November 10th, and a post-race party at one of our sponsors' places, the Stanley Park Restaurant and Brew Pub in Stanley Park. All proceeds will be going to the Movember Foundation. In an effort to extend our support of men's physical and mental health beyond our traditional November Vancouver-based running races and celebrations to the entire year and around the globe, we are pleased to present a brand new podcast named Run For Your Life. Coming up next. Hello and welcome to Run For Your Life a podcast brought to you by The Mustache Miler. My name is Tomas Rovotsi and I'll be hosting today. And today I'm here on this episode speaking with Fred Pollock, inspirational master's runner. And I'm not going to say a lot more because I'd love it if you could introduce yourself. Thank you, Tomas. Uh, very briefly, I've been a, um, a runner with an organization since 1986. And I have definitely um, been made aware of the fact that uh, exercise, especially aerobic exercise, has been beneficial not only for physical health but for mental well-being. So, uh, do you have? Uh, are you able to tell us a little bit more about your background, uh, like pre-1986? I really didn't run uh, per se prior to that. Although in high school, I was. Uh, very active in uh, basketball. I played a tremendous amount of basketball, even in post-high school into university, and but never ran in an organized fashion, except the fact that my senior year in high school, I was asked to compete in the 400 meter. Okay, and how did that go at that time? Well, I, <laughs> I laughed because it was uh, quite comical in retrospect. Okay. Uh, I, uh, the gym teacher who chose me and never trained me. Okay. I never trained myself, and I was total immersion on the day of the regional competition. Wow. I ran a 400 meter and qualified for the finals, and in the finals I came fifth. So I ran two 400 meters on the same day, never ran that race prior to that, and never ran it again until 45 years later. Wow, holy moly, that's a, that's pretty impressive though, just off the bat, two 400s and suddenly you qualified. Well done. So clearly you have a natural talent for running, and I guess other sports too. You did play other sports, I presume, in, in high school, is that right? Yeah, yes, a tremendous amount of basketball, and that was the only other sport that I was actively involved. And it was inspirational because I learned through a mentor, coach mentor, the value of team play. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So it's funny you should mention that because I guess when we run, we don't really think of running as a team sport. Yes, and you're right about running individually. It's 
considered an isolated event on your own part, but there is a lot of camaraderie amongst the fellow runners and you do support each other, I think, just spiritually and you want the best for everyone. Absolutely. Well, I, I know that likewise, I mean, when I started doing my running, I found that emotional support, cheering at a race, makes a significant difference. It really gives you an emotional boost that I didn't really kind of take seriously previously. So, Yes, so. and I, I'm in agreement. It, it, uh, if you hear someone cheering and especially using your name, it tends to uh, give you a boost of adrenaline. Most certainly, absolutely. And so I guess also when you were doing this track back in high school, so you were part of a team then, so you weren't doing it entirely solo, I guess. That's right. I represented the high school that I attended. And then uh, you, didn't, you said you didn't go on any further with the running at that point? Not at all. Okay. Not until um, 1986. And what was the reason for that? Well, I think it was uh, just going to university, then eventually starting up my own business, and then raising a family, and that uh, determined the amount of time that I had in other areas. So what brought you back to running in the end? Well, I was in between jobs. Mm-hmm. And I suffered a marital breakup, oh, and so that. I had to um, find activities or an activity to occupy my time and try to uh, overcome that unhappy period in my life. You know, you're uh, you're hitting the topic on the head. I think people are interested to hear more about that. So, did you feel that that was a like a treatment that you used on purpose, or was it just sort of something you did instinctively? Or I think I did it instinctively because I always enjoyed running primarily in basketball, and I came back to that just mentally thinking that it's uh, something I enjoy, and uh, I enjoyed in the past, and, and therefore, if I've got time on my hands, I might as well make constructive use of it. That makes sense. That's really great. And so did you use it kind of as a therapy, for instance, so when you were feeling low, then you would go for a run, or was it just something to occupy your mind, or... Yeah, well, I don't think there was anything deliberate in terms of trying to overcome any depression. I, I certainly wasn't depressed. That's not my personality. Uh, that, I know I know you a little bit myself, so I know that's true. That's wonderful. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I enjoyed that aspect of getting out, and especially outdoors in nature. Uh, and since then, and it's been 35 years, I've come to know through reading and just firsthand experience that being in nature is a very positive environment. That's wonderful. Yeah, that's very, very true. Absolutely. And so uh, at that time when you started again, did you have any kind of like uh, goals that you wanted to like reach an event or a distance, like you do a 10 kilometer race or something like that? Or I think I may have. Uh, of course, I started uh, on my own uh, actually back in 84, but I ran on my own and I think I ran one or two half marathons prior to joining KJAX Track and Field Club, an organized uh, running club. So um, it was a positive experience. Interesting. Did you have a training plan per se, or just were aiming to hit the goal? or yeah, Not at all. No training plan. <laughs> just get out and do it. <laughs> wow. That's actually, you know, fair enough. That's that's a one way to do it. So then you joined the KJAX. When was that about that you joined KJAX? Well, I, I guess I went to a workshop, and the people that ran that workshop, a running workshop, that is, were connected with KJAX Track and Field Club, more so the master's group, at that time, 40 years and older, and that's how I connected. And so I joined them knowing that or realizing that it was a beneficial opportunity. So you touched on two more things, which I'd like to just quickly explore as well, is that firstly, 
I'm not sure if our listeners know too much about the KJAX Track and Field Club. So can you just quickly explain some of the events that the KJAX Club takes part in? Well, they're mainly a track and field club, but over the years have trained long distance runners. Even though they've had some Olympic marathoners that have come out of the club. And the club is, as of 2021, it's 60 years old. So it has a long history of... Sorry, you just uh, you said 60? 60? 6-0. Wow, years old that's amazing. This year. And so it's trained a tremendous number of Olympians. In fact, about 53 or 54 Olympians have come through the club throughout those years. And so it's primarily a track and field avenue, but there has been long distance runners that have competed for Canada in the Olympics. Wow, very distinguished club and athletes by the sound of it. That's very impressive. I also just was noticing that uh, just in the recent Tokyo Olympics, we also had a couple of Olympians, I think, from KJAX who were there. Or were there more? I can only think of two offhand. That's right. There were two that have come through uh, KJAX Track and Field Club, and that's Cameron Rogers, who came fifth in the women's hammer throw, mm-hmm. and Evan Dunphy, who bronze medaled in the 50-kilometer race walk. Right. I was very inspired watching his race, actually. That was a very exciting race. Okay, well, good. Thank you for that background. So then getting back to the other thing you mentioned was uh, Masters. Some people out in the uh, running world may not know what the Masters classification or category actually means. Could you just maybe tell us a bit about that? Well, the age uh, qualifications for Masters has dropped over the years. At one time, it was 45 years and older, then it would drop to 40 years and older, and today it's 35 years and older for both women and men. Interesting. So this is an unfair question, but are you able to speculate as to why that the ages may have dropped over the years? I really don't know. I, I, I never really followed the logic, but probably just for um, opening up the opportunity to more people as they age. And for example, usually Olympians, once they reach the age of 30 onward, become less competitive, and therefore they usually can't qualify for world elite events so there's a gap in terms of their ability to compete and they certainly can't compete on the world stage if they're less capable so uh, those that are reached the age of 35 have an opportunity to compete under the masters uh, category interesting okay and then there's no other additional categories just to clarify i know this but i just i'd ask anyway there's nothing like a a grand master or a great grand master nothing like that no but actually they're in between the let's say the elite olympic level there is the senior level so mm-hmm. that incorporates people from 30 to 34 roughly speaking uh-huh. so they're they can't reach the heights that they once did but there is competition for seniors in track and field and i'm sure in other sports as well interesting so by contrast i presume there's also a junior category too yeah well the juniors are in the uh 15 16 age category roughly speaking but that's not our focus today today i'd like to just continue with the masters theme because because uh clearly well i'm a master as well And I think that's an interesting dimension, which I think a lot of people don't tend to think about, is the fact that mental health and running, so running is something that you can actually continue for pretty much your entire life. I always was thinking, you know, oh, you know, body parts will stop working well and I may have to stop and deal with injury. But the truth is, I guess, if you manage the injuries, you can keep running for most of your life, really. Has that been your experience? 
Well, I, I would certainly advocate that. And just for your information, about three years ago, I came down with arthritis in one of my knees and I managed to connect with the Canadian Arthritic Research Society. And they were doing a study on people with arthritis, uh, no matter what part of the body. And I went through a nine-month study and they gave me uh, <laughs> one of those uh, things you put on your wrist. I can't get the name excuse me right now. Okay, a Fitbit or something like that? Fitbit, like a, a, a tracker Fitbit, of yeah. some kind? Okay. Well, for nine months I wore a Fitbit and uh, it was to determine my um, the number of steps per day. Now, the conclusion from uh, Arthritis Research Canada, as well as UBC, SFU, and one of the Coastal Health Authority in British Columbia, determined that the only advice that they could come up with was to remain active, keep moving, otherwise nothing else really helps. Well, that's good advice, I think. Somehow the universe seems to respect movement, so I guess the key is to keep moving, absolutely. That's interesting. So you mentioned the arthritis. Have you ever had to cope with other ailments as well? Oh, I, I've had countless hamstring muscle tears. Oh my. And plantar fasciitis. And see, I've had three meniscus tears over the years. Oh my goodness, wow. And, but I've recovered from all of that. As of today, I may have a minor meniscus problem, but I'm running uh, three times a week and I'm just following the philosophy of keep on moving. It's a great philosophy, and I know that uh, I run with you as much as I'm able to, and I have difficulty keeping up with you sometimes. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's wonderful. So I think you're doing really well from what I can tell, so that's great. If I can introduce uh, another element, uh, please, Tomash. I've uh, been a student of happiness since 1992. Now, I incorporate everything that I've learned over the years in terms of happiness, and it works hand-in-glove with running and vice versa. So it gives you a tremendous insight in how to survive in this world and remain contented. Interesting. Well, that is a great segue to our kind of main theme here, which is the mental health question. We, we talked about the physical health and the mental health question, I guess, is I think it's a big one. And we've had a chat about this offline before, how I kind of think that maybe the nomenclature is maybe not quite there yet, because really what we're talking about is emotional health. But regardless, it's a word and people are beginning to use it and that's good, we're discussing it at least. And so I guess my question is to ask you, what do we do? How do we stay happy? How do we keep our mental health up? I mean, running clearly is one factor. What else can we do? What kind of recommendations do you have? Well, I've just completed reading a recent book by Sanjay Gupta mm -hmm. called Keep Sharp. And it has to do with the brain and mental well-being and connecting with good physical so they're interconnected and so it has given me additional insight into how important good healthy brains are and how to go about stimulating a healthy brain and also avoiding those ingredients that are detriment to a healthy brain can you give us some examples of some of those things that would be both a benefit and a detriment well, the thing that Sanjay advocates foremost is aerobic exercise and upper body strength exercise. Those are the two things he highly recommends. And actually, there's a third too, sleep. He labels sleep as medicine. Mm -hmm. Adequate sleep is fantastic medicine. That's actually really good advice, and I, I should follow that more myself. I tend to be a bit of a night owl, so I'm not good at following that advice sometimes. So. 
Fair point. Good point. I was also going to ask you if you could just maybe tell our listeners about who is Sanjay Gupta? Sanjay Gupta is actually a neurosurgeon and a neuroscientist by profession. But in, I think it was 2002, and maybe being a little earlier, he decided to delve into the broadcast field. And he, today he's the medical consultant for CNN. Wow. Okay. So he's a serious person, not just from Facebook University or whatever we say these days. He's a learned right, yeah. individual, shall very, we say. Very, very, very credible. Very good. A learned colleague, shall we say. Esteemed colleague, perhaps, is another way to put it. Mm -hmm. Good. All right. Interesting. And so when you say upper body exercises, can you give even more specifics than that? Maybe our listeners could benefit from that. Well, he didn't give anything specific uh, with upper body exercises. And I've been to the gym twice in my life, so I, I'm not a spokesperson for, say, upper body weight worth. Although I'm very active physically, we have two properties, we have four gardens. And, wow. and as a result, I'm digging, I'm harvesting, planting, and so I am not inactive physically. Well, that's even good advice to recommend that it doesn't necessarily always have to be running or gym work. It can be just household work, just getting active, digging, as you say, doing domestic things. That's uh, good advice in itself is that you don't have to specifically get a gym membership or so on. That's right. And individuals might have occupations where they physically require to work hard. And for example, I spent a number of years on a dairy farm working and the work schedule was uh, 10 to 5 in the morning till 6.30 at night. And it wow. was all physical work. And uh, so for that period of time, I was probably overactive physically. Right. <laughs> you don't seem to have any bad results from all that hard work, though, it seems. Yeah, I would agree. And based on what I've read, physical activity have kept people living longer over time, especially in societies like China or Japan that I've read. Mm-hmm. I guess another question is how do you think genetics plays into how long and how active you can be for how much of your life? Do you think that's a big I, factor too? Well, you would think so, but according to Sanjay Gupta, he said that our genetics only account for about 10% of our longevity. Interesting. It's the way you've treated your body over time and what you've done to your body. And diet is one factor, being active is another, eliminating or avoiding stress. But I can incorporate a few things from my knowledge in happiness. And if you avoid fatigue, exhaustions, and envy, for example, those mm. three factors are not the only factors, but they can contribute to unhappiness and depression. And then uh, in order to stimulate yourself and uh, remain or uh, add positive aspects to your life, I would say concentrate on the positive, mm -hmm. don't sweat the small stuff, and moderate or eliminate desires. Interesting. That's a little bit counterintuitive in some respects. Or maybe it's just we need a little clarity when you say desires, because like, I kind of desire to go running. I, yeah. you know, I desire to win or something like yeah. that sometimes, well, right? That, or that's a good point. And uh, desires in my mind are wants, unnecessarily okay. wanted aspects. But when it comes to needs, well, needs are important. And if you need to exercise in order to maintain a healthy lifestyle, that's not necessarily a frivolous want. Okay. That's a very good point as well. Okay, so I guess the next question would be, so what, if any, what kind of recommendations, as specific as you can manage, uh, would you have for people to help to improve or to at least maintain or improve their, their mental health 
clearly we're thinking of running, but I mean, not necessarily. You mentioned other kinds of activities, like, you know, when you're doing gardening and so on. For instance, maybe even listening to music or something as you're running. I don't know. Is that something that you do? Well, there's a psychologist, and for lack of being able to pronounce his name, he has a very, I think it's about a seven-syllable surname. Oh, my goodness. And uh, he's studied human behavior, and he's come up with the term flow. He describes people Mm. that are active in whatever aspect, and they enjoy to such an extent that time just flies and they are actually unaware of how much time the effort has taken, yet they're totally content in the moment. That He calls that flow. And if you can incorporate that situation into your lifestyle, exceedingly beneficial. And while you're running, and that's a primary example, when you're running, you lose touch with time and you're more carefree. And when you do complete the activity of running, especially distance, then there's always those wonderful chemicals that are released that create that runner's high. That's a really great way of putting it. I find the same thing, especially when I'm on a long run by myself. I'm starting to not take music with me, but even so, even with music, just being away from everything else and just focusing on the moment to step by step, breath by breath, it's almost meditative that I don't really have to think about time, don't have to think about doing any kind of activities, just focus on the moment. I find that to be, as you say, that's sort of that that flow that you're talking about, really. Do you experience that flow as well when you're running? Oh, yes, definitely. Now, you mentioned uh, music while you're running. Well, I've never experienced that. I've never had music tied to me while I'm running, so I don't know that experience. But I have the experience of just running and uh, having the creative juices flowing. And uh, I'm not being facetious here. Uh, I used to be involved in uh, public speaking. And it was surprising that when push came to shove, I was able to come up with speeches or titles or topics or themes quite easily during a running period. So you never tried listening to music as you run? Never. Okay. Never tempted me. Okay. Maybe that's good. Well, I mean, they do recommend that you probably shouldn't if you're in a race anyway, so you can hear what the marshals and so on are uh, telling you to do and and to make sure you don't, you know, you watch out for traffic and so on as well. And do you find when you uh, do go running, do you run on the roads? Do you run on trails or whereabouts do you typically run? These days I try to, well, of course we train twice a week as a rule on the track and that's a fairly soft surface compared to concrete or asphalt. Mm -hmm. But then we do trail running as well, on the average, maybe once a week, maybe not all year round. But I've been involved in cross-country running every fall, I think, actively since 2005, and I find that very enjoyable. Interesting. Yeah, that's uh, a good reminder, because the next thing I was going to ask you is, what kinds or categories of running do you do these days? So I guess you just mentioned cross-country. You mentioned track in general, but I guess specifically, what would you feel like would be your specialties when it comes to track running? Well, through the benefit of a competent coach going back to 2003, 
uh, my strengths and weaknesses were discovered. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> and, and surprisingly, 800 meters and 1500 meters were my strengths. So that's what I have concentrated on over the years. Because if you succeed, it's a great motivational factor. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. It's very satisfying for sure. What about longer distances? I think we've had this conversation, but this is more for the benefit of our listeners. What sort of longer distances have you tried or do you like? Well, I've run maybe five to eight half marathons over the years, okay. but never a marathon. And even though I had an inkling that I would like to do one, I was discouraged by a multi-marathoner not to do it. Okay. And so I took his advice, and to this day, I haven't run one, and I have no desire to run one because I, I've witnessed the dedication, the hard work, the frustration that is required in preparing for a marathon. Yeah, and well, certainly mental fortitude maybe is an important factor too. So just muscling yes. through that. So, so here's a, another funny question that sort of bypasses the marathon distance. So you mentioned cross-country running. What typically are the distances there? Actually, one other question before we get to the other one. So what distances are the cross-country runs typically? I think 10K is the longest cross-country run that I'm aware of that I've been involved in. I haven't heard of any other distances greater than that for cross-country running. Of course, road races and are a different category of fish. Right, of course. Okay, interesting. And then what sorts of terrain do you face on the cross-country runs? Everything from, uh, let's say, a mild flat course to one that you're aware of, the Gunner Shaw, that takes place in Lower Mainland every year in late November, early December. And that is a two-loop 5K course in which you're going through every element under the sun that is a challenge, from running on sand to running over logs to running through streams through running up hills, muddy hills, and then back down muddy hills, and running over roots, uh, roots that are lost in water, depths of about a foot and a half, and so you just can't see the train you're running on, and anything could happen. You can literally fall into it, and <laughs> tripping on the roots, falling into it, and then trying to survive getting up. Yeah, I do remember, uh, now that you mention it, it does bring back memories, but you mentioned everything under the sun. The sun was definitely the one weather condition there wasn't much of. Um, (laughs) It was just about everything else, though, you're right. And I was surprised, because I thought the knee-deep water, thigh-deep water would be the biggest challenge, but it was actually the sand that was the most difficult, I found. It was interesting. Yes, and I, I would agree. So I guess here's the second part of that same question. So you've got some pretty challenging terrain you just described there, and actually some trail runs. So for instance, ultra marathons, or sometimes even shorter, like 14K, 28K trail runs. That's a growing area in uh, running world these days, especially here in Vancouver, especially North Vancouver, where we've got those lovely mountains. It seems to be a more popular event these days. And I wonder if you've ever tried anything like that, like a mountain or trail race like that. No, I haven't, and i sort of forgotten about the fact that they do exist, and I've never participated in one, so I would think that they're quite the challenge, especially the various elevation factors involved. So, Fred, I also was wanting to ask you, because I'll be honest with you, I've had my own challenges with mental health, and I've tried a number of different things. I mean, I tried things, I tried antidepressants. Strangely, they actually gave me really funny side effects. One of the more effective things, for instance, I tried a little bit of psychological counseling, 
One of the more effective things that I've found also helps is uh, Buddhist study, for instance, just meditation, clearing your mind. Running is probably the most effective thing that I've found, and that's why I'm kind of advocating for this now. But what about you? I mean, if you have ever felt low, or if you know of anyone else who's felt low, what kinds of things have you found that work? Is there anything else that you would recommend? Like right now, if someone is having difficulties, they're in a bad place right now. What would you say to those people right now? Well, I would definitely suggest that they access professional help in that field, the mental field. And I have just heard in an interview two days ago mm-hmm. where a woman who was suffering about 14 years of chronic depression mm-hmm. was now getting personalized attention with a psychiatrist and trying to help her. And his aim was to treat her from a psychological point of view as a last resort, maybe with uh, pharmaceuticals. Mm -hmm. But never once during the interview did they mention anything about physical exercise as being, as far as I'm concerned, a well-proven antidote to depression. And that was surprising to hear. Yeah, I would almost go to the point of uh, flabbergasting because I think a lot of evidence is showing that that's really a, a very powerful, very potent factor, as I think you have mentioned in the past. And another uh, interesting fact that I learned a few years ago is that two-thirds of the depressants sold in the world are bought by Americans. They consume two-thirds of all the antidepressants in the world. Wow. Okay. I guess, yeah. I think you said depressants, but I think you mean antidepressants. (laughs) Antidepressants. My my mistake. Yeah. No problem. It's okay. Just wanted to clarify. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Very good. Super. Wonderful. Well, Fred, you seem like a really... uh, happy, joyful individual from even just this chat and from my own experience running with you. I hope that that continues for you and I hope to be there with you, near you and be able to be inspired by you. You're definitely an inspirational individual. So thank you so much for your inspiration and for your time today for chatting with us about your experiences with running and improving your mental health. Thank you. You're welcome. And that's it for another episode of Run For Your Life, brought to you by The Mustache Miler. Join us again next time for more insights and inspirational speakers here on Anchor FM.